I think the gist of her question is that I talked about three modes of material nature yesterday, uh, being mode of goodness, mode of passion, and mode of ignorance. Ignorance being darkness, ignorance being a sort of helplessness, ignorance being tamas. And passion is uh, rajas. Mode of passion is rajas, when you are so driven by your desire, where the other person may or may not be affected by it, but you are affected by its fulfillment or lack of it. And third, being uh, goodness, sattva, where you just feel and experience this great sense of purity and calm and ease in, in yourself. So her question is, sometimes you have to do things living in the world that your job demands. Which, in absolute terms, if we classified it, one might say, oh, that, for, uh, that was more tamasic, out of ignorance, or, or that would promote your darkness. And she gave the example of, uh, sometimes she has to eat onion and garlic, something she doesn't want, uh, but she has to, what to do in such a situation. I think, Somewhere, it's uh, everybody's story that you have to do things that you don't want to do. A while back, in one of my discourses, I narrated a story of, uh, of a brahmachari. He was a great tapasvi. And when he one day came out of his samadhi, he realized that he had all the siddhis by his feet. He could pretty much do anything he so wished. And just then, there was a crow perched on the same tree, on the, one of the branches underneath he was sitting, where he was sitting. And the crow did a dropping on his head. Now here is a tapasvi who has just woken up after enlightenment and is greeted by birds dropping on his head. And he is furious. <coughs> He's absolutely livid. And he looks up, says, how dare you? And the crow is turned to ashes. With his mere glance, he turns the crow to ashes. And he realizes that, oh, I actually have immense power. That's what sadhana does. Gradually, it bestows upon you more and more and more power. So he said, the whole world now is at my command. Walks away, goes to a village, after a bath, of course, goes to a village and knocks on a door, seeking alms. Bhikshan Dehi, he says, I've come here for alms. What do you have to offer? And nobody answered from inside. He knocked again, said the same thing again. Nobody answered still. Third time, he said, is a charm he had heard. So he knocked harder. And inside, a female voice came. She said, please wait, Maharaj. I'll be with you in a few minutes. And he sees that he pushes the door. The door was a bit ajar. It just opened. 
and he sees that a woman is just standing, uh, sitting there at a distance, and she's with her husband. And he realizes, oh, I've come here seeking alms, and I'm such a great tapasvi that my mere glance can turn creatures into ashes, and he or she is sitting like this. So he is quietly, he waits for another minute or so. Then he says, Bhikshan Dehi, I've come here to seek alms. Where are you hiding? This is your first duty. And she throws a brick at him. She says, Maharaji, please use this brick as your seat. I'm, I'll be with you in a few minutes, as I said to you. Meanwhile, you please be seated. He waits another minute or so, then he starts to yell. Because it happens. With false sadhana, you feel entitled falsely. Or with lack of true sadhana, you feel, oh, I'm entitled to this, without actually earning it. So was his feeling. So he started yelling, but the woman still took five more minutes. She came out, and this man said, Don't you know who I am? She said, Why? You think I'm that crow? That you'll just shoot a glass at me and I'll be dead? And he zapped. How does this woman know that that's what I did just uh, half an hour back? She said, I was fulfilling my duty. I was serving my husband. Those were the days when those things happened. <laughs> Today the missus would perhaps say, I was fulfilling my duty. I was scolding my husband. So, <laughs> so she said, look, I was doing my duty as a householder. That comes first. Dharma artha ka moksha. It doesn't say moksha first. For a householder, it doesn't say moksha, artha, kaam, dharma. Walk the path of righteousness and enjoy this life to the fullest. And what you earn, share it with the world, you will naturally move towards moksha, nirvana, enlightenment, liberation, emancipation, redemption, deliverance. Not the other way around, where you create a false view of what enlightenment is, and then you keep pushing it, keep uh, going for it, won't yield any results. So she said, I was doing my duty. He said, I've never met anybody like you. I, I bow to you, a lady, you are Devi. Please give me some wisdom. I'd like to sit by your feet and learn from you. She said, I don't have that kind of time, plus I don't have any such wisdom to impart. I would encourage you to go to this man, I'm telling you, in the next village, who can impart you the greatest wisdom life has to offer. He thought, okay, I would go. I would go anywhere for, in search of my quest, which has now reignited, because a while ago, I thought I was enlightened, and now I realize how far I still have to go. So he goes to the next village. Sorry, I'm shifting between past and present tense in narrating my story. But anyway, so I'll maybe continue present tense. He goes to the next village, 
And there, when he navigates th through the address, he finds that this person's actually a butcher. He is really dumbfounded. He's thinking, what the hell's happening here? She sent me to a butcher? Somebody who slaughters for a living? Can such a person actually give me any wisdom? Somebody who lives his life in such extreme violence? How can that person teach me what is enlightenment and what ought I to do next? Nevertheless, he thinks I've uh, come this far, I may as well go a bit further. He goes there and says, uh, I'm here, oh, before even he could say any, he, he could say any further, the uh, butcher says, yeah, wait a minute. I know that lady has sent you, hasn't she? <laughs> He's thinking, my goodness, how's she doing? She's good, he said. Okay, just, you have to wait a couple of hours, he said, because I'm finishing with my task here. I must finish my duty here, then we'll go my home, go to, go to my home, and we'll do, we'll talk about what you want to know. He says, okay, I'll wait. So a monk sitting there sees animals being slaughtered for the next two, three hours, all kinds of little and big birds and animals and so on. Then he finishes, he washes his platform, he washes his shop floor, he washes his uh, uh, whatever that used to uh, slaughter blade and whatever. And then he says, okay, let's go to my home now goes to his home and he prays to his parents first, bows down, touches their feet, feeds them and then feeds this monk and then he says, okay, I'm sorry it took more than two hours but now tell me, what do you want? He said, how? That's all I want to know. How do you have all these powers and this serenity that I've been searching for all my life and I just couldn't have it. I left everything to acquire it and here you are doing what scriptures denounce severely. And yet, you seem to me enlightened. He said, my friend, you have to understand the difference between becoming the character you play or simply performing a role. What I do for my living is what my generations have done. I'm simply doing what I need to do, what I know best, what I do, so I can feed my family and my parents. You have run away from the world. So if you really want enlightenment, he says, I would strongly recommend that you go back, serve your parents, and then one day you will arrive at that shore of great peace and beauty and peace and serenity and calm. That's what you need to do. Off the record, it's one of the reasons why I never prevent my sannyasis to communicate or serve their parents. If they have, if they are talking to the whole world, if they are talking, communicating, interacting with the whole world, then I think their parents haven't done any sin 
by making them sannyasis that they shouldn't communicate with their parents. In fact, if anything, parents should have the first right. So this butcher says, go back to your parents. You left them, you are their only son. You, they needed you and you just left them in search of this mythical quest. You need to stick with your dharma because that alone is your rightful karma and that alone will lead you to that state of liberation that you seek. If we use spirituality as a method of escaping from the challenges of the world, I can absolutely guarantee you, openly I challenge anybody, you are not going to get anywhere even remotely close to enlightenment. Because you simply ran away from certain difficulties, obstacles, hurdles, challenges, and so on. You will just encounter a different set of challenges now. If you ran away from one kind, you will probably run away from the other kind. Or, or if you were constantly unhappy and complaining in that world, you will be unhappy and complaining in this world. You were vulnerable then, you are vulnerable now. No change. When you have to do things in the world, if you do them thinking, this is a role I have to play, then there is no issue. So frequently I've quoted this from Bhagavad Gita, Nachama tani karmani nibadhananti dhananjaya. Udasin vodasin saktam teshu karmasu. Karma, they don't tie me down, Kantai. Because I do them without any sense of attachment at all. If Krishna is launching his discus, his chakra, at Shishupal, it's not that he's mad with rage. He's simply doing a role. So you can push back, you can perform, you can stand your ground without actually letting it affect you. That really is, is what distinguishes somebody who's a seeker from somebody who's an adept. If you have to eat onion and garlic, it's absolutely okay. If it doesn't sit well with you, physically, then it's a different matter, or medically I mean to say, then it's a different matter. But eating onion or garlic does not make you any less enlightened. There are some rules that are designed for absolute beginners. When you first go to a school, they tell you, you have to wear a uniform. This is your sports day, this is your this day, this is your that day. And you have to be here in the school from 8 a.m. till 1 p.m. And you have to have these, you have to sit through these periods. Your recess is going to be from 10 a.m. till 10.30. Then you have your lunch from 12 to 12.30 and so on. Those rules are there so they introduce you to a degree of self-discipline. Once you are past that level, as you grow older, then they say, okay, you can also choose your own seat or desk, who you want to sit with, it's okay. It's okay when you go to college, if you don't want to attend a certain period, as long as you attend certain number of classes in a year, you're good. You don't have to wear uniform then. 
You don't carry a bag as you would in a school. And then as you progress even further, then you don't carry any bag. You just carry baggage maybe, but <laughs> no bag. No bag, maybe just a pen or a phone or your laptop or, or tablet or something. You just carry that. Because you have now graduated. As Buddha said to his disciples who asked him, one of them, Ananda it was, he said, uh, Tathagat, I strive so hard to live by your teachings, but I see many others in the Sangha don't do that. So my question is, he said, for how long should your teachings absolutely be obeyed? Buddha said, Ananda, we have just crossed the river, haven't we? Yes, Tathagat. So we used a raft. Indeed, if we have crossed the river, what do you do with the raft? Once you have crossed the river, what do you do with the raft, Ananda? Tathagat. Naturally, we leave it behind. We can't drag it with us. There is no need anymore. And maybe somebody else can use the same raft to get across from this side to the other now. Exactly, Tathagat said. That's my point. Once you have understood, absorbed, assimilated, internalized the essence of my teachings, once you have adopted them and started practicing them, you don't have to keep beating about the same bush and keep reading my text over and over again. And then you've graduated. So there comes a time when you graduate. But more importantly, it is about with what sentiment you are doing what you are doing in life. Really, A, what is your intention? B, what is your outcome that you desire? What is your driving force? That really determines how you are going to be impacted. Ramakrishna Paramhansa, his favorite food was, was uh, a certain kind of fried fish. Talk about onion and garlic, and he was eating fried fish. That was his favorite food. I think I, I had told this joke in Canada, some of you might have heard who saw this live. This person, uh, is last day of Navaratri today? Or it's what is Vijayadashmi today? Okay. So it was the time of Navaratra, and this uh, person went into a restaurant. It was in Punjab. And he said, uh, I would like uh, a butter chicken, please. I haven't had it for many days. I'd really like, I'm dying, I'm craving for it, he said. And the man said, uh, I was a little surprised somebody asking for butter chicken in Navaratras when you don't eat that kind of food. But a customer is a customer. He says, okay, I'll serve you. He says, sir, we have this special sauce, gravy we make with uh, onion and, and garlic. Should I put a bit of that? Is it? Are you crazy, man? It's Navratras. <laughs> How can I eat onion and garlic? How can I possibly eat onion and garlic? Don't even tempt me with that. Just give me the chicken, I'll be happy with that. Somebody who's awakened, when the world tries to make sense of their actions, you would almost always do it in absolute terms. This is, oh, this is terrible. How could you do that? Oh, this is good. 
this is right, this is wrong. Because all the knowledge is conditioned. None of this has awakened from within. All the knowledge is either what you heard, read or saw. Based on that, you form a view of what is or isn't right. But you are all grown up enough to know there is no way that you can lead your life in absolute terms. This happened in, in Canada once. This old elderly person was traveling with me in Purvashram and he was doing Ekadashi Vrata. Now we were going from Toronto to West Virginia. There's a temple there, Iskon Temple, beautiful temple. And on the way in Pennsylvania, we stopped at this place, um, another South Indian temple, Balaji's temple there. So now he was hungry. There was another family with us. We were all eating. He was very hungry. I said to him, I said, you know, you can, uh, if you're hungry, go ahead. I mean, don't torture your body. Uh, if you want to eat, then go ahead. He said, uh, I said, have you taken any sankalpa? Any vow that I will do 11 or 13 or 16? He said, no, nothing like that. I just do that ekadashi vrata. I said, I, I'm not saying break your vrata, your fast. But I'm saying, if I were you, I would be more uh, flexible about it. To begin with, I don't even keep any kind of fast. He said, okay, he said, you're a Brahmin. He said to me like this, if you say once eat, I will eat. <laughs> So, I mean, he knew I was an astrologer and so on, even though at that time I never practiced. He said, you are a Vedic, Vedpati, he used the term, you're a Brahmin Vedpati. So, if you say once, eat, I will eat without guilt. I said, well, I wouldn't like to say that, but if <laughs> you want to shoot, <laughs> you know, putting the gun on, through on my shoulder, but it's okay, if that helps you, feel free to eat, I said, you know. If he is bhojan, if he is bhojya, if he is bhokta, if he is the fire that digests food, if he is food, if he is everything, then uh, I don't see any issues with it. It was in the same vein that uh, Krishna had guided Yudhishthira to say, Ashwatthama maragya, just say Ashwatthama is dead. And before Dronacharya could hear anything else, the damage was done. So. It does not make you a bad person, it does not make you a lowly person, it does not make you a tamasic person if you just do those things. On the contrary, or maybe on the other hand, in fact, I've seen more people who are absolute vegetarians in the purest sense, very sattvic food they eat, and they're absolutely plagued by tamasic desires. You will see more vegetarians angry and even unhealthy, especially if they're in India, the kind of vegetarian food we eat, I think vegetables must be saying, what are you doing to us, please? <laughs> please spare us, please leave us alone, don't boil us and fry us and chop us and do everything else to us, just eat us. But, but the intention is everything. And slightly off track, but it's the reason why, for example, when I write my books, I could write books to fascinate people. I could write books to, to even delude people. I could write books that would make them go, wow, now this is enlightened. This sounds like enlightenment. I could write books that will make people think, wow, this is how, what happens after enlightenment. But that won't be the truth. 
So I feel when somebody buys my book or when somebody reads my post, I must tell them the truth because I have to exercise that duty of care. So when you have a client, you have a customer, you have somebody who's come to you for a service you've agreed to provide, you must give your everything to that. Or you deny right away, sorry, I can't take garlic onion, therefore I cannot take you on as a client. Example in case, I wrote in my memoir about this job that I was offered in Antigua and Barbuda Islands. It was with a casino. It didn't sit well with me. And had I not sat down with that customer service person where I chanced upon that email, somebody's pleading saying, I'm sorry, I burned through $60,000 and my house will go. Please just, can you not avoid those transactions? Had I not read that, I probably might still have joined it. But when I saw, I said, I don't want to be a party to this damage. Recently, somebody um, I know, one of our very lovely devotees in California, she got offered a job, a very good job, in a company that makes e-cigarettes in electronic cigarettes. It's all the rage apparently these days and she's got two teenage boys. So she was in a real fix whether to take that job or not. Because on the one hand she's telling her children, oh, she's telling her boys smoking is bad, please never smoke. On the other hand she's working for a company that actually manufactures cigarettes. So she went through three rounds of interviews, she got the job offer, but she decided against it. And that's better than joining the company and then saying, oh, I hate working for this company. I don't agree with what they're doing. Just don't work. But if you're working, give your heart, mind and soul to whatever it is that you're doing. So have absolutely no confusion at all. In fact, if anything, start eating garlic chutney and uh, it won't make you thamasic. Those things don't make what we speak, what we think, what we do makes us tamasic, not what we eat. Progress or liberation is to be able to work with and in your constraints without going mad. To be able to do that gleefully, gladly, happily, willingly, confidently. That's what it is. Na dvashtya kushlam karva, na kushle nano shishajjate. Tyagi satta sama vishtum me dhavi chinna sanchay. Without a doubt, Khante, the only enlightened person really is somebody who can do what they have to do without complaining. And somebody who's not constantly just uh, driven by, I really want to do this and on, because of that I'm going to compromise on everything else. So that was the briefest answer I could give to your uh, long question.